I have to give some special props to Philip for leading us in worship. I'm so thankful for him doing that. I think his job is harder than mine because we're used to being a church where people are singing and participating in our worship, so that's hard for me at least. I'm used to having people not laugh at my jokes from time to time, so I'm a little used to what it is that I'm doing now, but I'm so thankful for him leading us in worship at a time that we desperately need our hearts to be before God in worship. Again, my name is Pastor Brian Shackman. I'm so glad that you are here to our church family. You are very much missed. I love you all. I miss you all. I'm so thankful for the ways that you are reaching out and showing the love of Christ to people within our church and those who are outside. I hope that we can be good examples of who Jesus would call us to be during this time. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Philippians chapter 4 this morning, which is a passage we opened up last week, and we will get to that in just a bit. But before I get there, I ran across something interesting a few weeks ago. It was called the rules of a toddler. And as a parent with some young kids, I can resonate with this. Rules of a toddler say, if I like it, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it looks like it's mine, it's mine. If you're playing with something and put it down, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. And I can definitely relate with those rules of a toddler as I have kids myself. And it was easy for me to look at that list and think a little bit about like, well, you know, I'm I'm pretty mature though. I've moved beyond that stage. And in some ways I have. But this season of life when everything is canceled has made me realize and take some inventory about how, as an American citizen in arguably the wealthiest nation in human history, there's a lot that I can take for granted. There's a lot that I can just say, this is mine. This is my expectation of how things go. Just a small example, some friends and I from college, we've gotten together every year for the first weekend of March Madness, the college basketball tournament. And I had to to clarify, one time somebody said, wow, you play in a college basketball tournament? No, I'm not playing in the basketball tournament. I go in and watch it sitting on a couch with a bunch of friends. And the week before we were supposed to go, the tournament itself got canceled. We were toying with the idea of canceling, getting together anyway, but that officially was the thing that made it for us that we weren't going to be able to do it. And I don't want to trivialize people who have really suffered during this pandemic and people who are going through much more difficult things than that being canceled. But as I was reflecting on that moment, I thought about how just for me, for all these years, I've just assumed it's a right that I have almost, that a group of people put together this massive tournament that college students go and play in it, and I get to watch it and enjoy it with my friends. During this time when it seems like everything is canceled, there's moments for all of us, I think, when we realize that we can be a little bit toddler-ish in how we see the world. It's, it's mine. This is just my right. I'm supposed to live like this. This is just what I'm used to. Maybe as life itself in some ways has been stripped away, we need a different sort of perspective to think about who it is that God is calling us to be. So last week we looked at the beginning of this passage, but I want to read through it again. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, as Paul writes to this church, which is full of anxiety. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And last week, you looked some at the beginning of that passage, that the Lord is near, that we serve a God who, when was God was asked to be introduced. God didn't say a name. God said, I am. God is a verb. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious then about anything. And we talked about how that isn't just like us being worried whenever we get anxious about something, but it's this continual state. Don't continue to stay in this place of anxiety. This passage concludes with this incredible idea. That there's a peace that passes all understanding. And raise your hand if you could use that right now. We could use that peace, right? And what I want to do this morning is just reverse engineer that a little bit, because sometimes it helps to start with the end in mind and understand, okay, Paul says that there's this peace that's available And he actually gives us a couple practical steps to get towards that peace. First, he says, pray in every situation. By prayer and petition, bring your hearts before God. Paul says that in every situation. I don't know, sometimes we can think of God perhaps like God is portrayed in the movie Bruce Almighty when Jim Carrey gets the job of being God, and he ends up with just an unbelievable amount of emails, all these things that he's trying to get to. We can think that we're just a small little part of the world, and can God really care about us? Can God really care about my heart and what is going on inside my life? But Paul says, pray in every situation, bring those things before God, because God does care about you. We just sang the powerful words, I can walk without fear, Because I am a child of God. This is what the scriptures teach. That you are a daughter, you are a son of God. That God cares about what's on your heart. God cares about the things that you care about. God wants to hear from you. I can't help but think about my kids in this situation. Our son Carter is six. And he's been through some phases already. At the beginning of when he was able to talk, he really loved buses. So anytime a bus would drive by, he would point it out. He would tell us that it was there. We got him a package of buses one time for his birthday, and he was so excited. He learned how to do the more sign, and he's just signing more, more, more as fast as possible. He sees these buses. One of the first words that he said, we had great video of him talking about buses. Then eventually, that became trains. So we've taken many trips to Travel Town, or as he liked to call it, Choo Choo Town. We'd check out all of the trains over and over and over again. We'd even go on Saturdays on the weekends when they had the little miniature trains running. So he called that the special trains day. And so oftentimes on Saturdays, we would rush over there together so he could see those trains. And now, he loves birds. And I have no idea how he fell in love with birds, but 
Now, thanks largely to our church, he has an unbelievable amount of birds. Anytime anybody finds a bird thing, they give it to us. So someone was over in our house one time and said, wow, I didn't know you guys were bird people. And (laughs) we are not bird people. We have one bird person who is taking over our home with all this bird stuff. And it's been fun for me to learn about birds. He can point out which ones are which species, and we have conversations about these all the time. And so it's been fun to learn a little bit about that. And I have to tell you, I never noticed how many buses, trains, or birds were in the world until my son cared about them. And for a while there, especially as I was seeing buses and trains and now birds, as I'm taking care of him, I can't help but notice how much of them I've taken for granted, how they've been there. It's because I care about my son. Our daughter Nora this week, Uh, was sleeping and she woke up and Mandy could tell that she was worried about something, that she'd woken up with some kind of a nightmare. And so Mandy was asking her about it and she said, the snail, it was in my room. Like a snail is ever anything to be worried about, but apparently this snail was somewhat ominous. So we've tried to console her that, no, there's no snails in our house, at least as far as we know of. And we'll be careful with snails for a while because apparently right now my daughter cares about them. You are a daughter or a son of God. You are loved by God. God notices the things that you care about. God wants to hear about your anxieties and your fears. God is present with us to walk through those things. We can think perhaps that God doesn't necessarily care, but Jesus says that God knows the hairs on everyone's head. That's getting a little easier for me, but for some of you, it's a little bit more. God knows what's going on. What is it that you have fear about? What is it perhaps that you need to say, God, I I need to get this out to you. Paul says the pathway to transcendent peace is praying about all of our stuff. Bringing that stuff before God, letting it come to the surface and saying it perhaps out loud or writing it down or just thinking it before God. God cares about what's going on when you humbly acknowledge what's actually on your heart, God, I believe, can start to transform you. And then Paul says something else about the pathway to peace. He says, with thanksgiving. During a time like this, I think we hear that and go, I don't know if that's possible. Can I really be grateful during this season? And I would argue that, yes, you can. Perhaps it's a sense of thanksgiving about what you've taken for granted and you recognize like how blessed your life is. Or maybe you're going through something incredibly difficult right now. Can you find the moments of grace in those places? Some of us, for the first time, have recognized what an unbelievable blessing it is to have different grocery stores that we go to for different stuff. 
You only go to Trader Joe's for this, or you only go to Walmart or Target for that. And we have all this stuff, and now all of a sudden, it's a moment when lines are, are long, or perhaps the store that you really like to go to, and you're having to eat out of your pantry for the first time, and you're thinking, wow, this is unbelievable. I've never done this before. Maybe it wakes you up to the blessing and abundance that we have around us all the time. Maybe your local Starbucks isn't open anymore. You can live without that for a while. Maybe you just take for granted the ability to be around other people. I know my heart is full when I just get to interact with somebody outside of my home. I love the people inside my home, but when I get a chance to talk with people who aren't in my home and spend a little moment interacting, whether on Zoom or in a conversation with somebody at church, always one-on-one, don't worry. When I have that moment, it's such a blessing for me. There's a man by the name of John Kralik, and he was in a moment when his life was failing. His small law firm was about to go under. His second marriage was ending in divorce. He'd grown distant from his two children, and he was 40 pounds overweight. And one time on New Year's Day, he got a letter from someone thanking him for a Christmas gift. And he thought, this touched me perhaps more than I even recognize. So he decided on that New Year's Day to write a thank you note every single day for the next year. He wrote a book about it called 365 Thank Yous. And he said it was that act that completely transformed his life. And there were weeks when it was hard. It felt like a grind. But he wrote a note to his barista. She started crying and said she'd never gotten a thank you note. He spent the year, instead of looking at some of the bleak parts of his situation, with eyes of hope. He looked at what was going on around him, not as things to just be services for him, but instead, how could he serve? How could he be thankful and grateful? And he said it completely transformed his life. What I find so significant about that story is that he did it when things were hard. When you would look at his life and say, whoa, he has nothing to be thankful for. That sounds like a pretty miserable situation. But he said that it was through gratitude in that space that his life was transformed. What is it during this time that perhaps you have the ability to be a little bit thankful for? And it's not that your life isn't hard right now. A lot of us are going through a lot. But could you be thankful even in that place? I know for me, my family were trying to issue family challenges to each other, so our son Carter asked everyone to draw a bird, of course, and so everyone in the family drew birds, and then our family that's in Switzerland challenged the family to do a lip sync competition, and it's just been fun to be connected with them in, in more ways than we typically are. We've been getting all these great uh, submissions. Uh, my nephew apparently can sing all of John Legend's songs. So it was pretty, pretty unbelievable to see him pull that off. So it's time to say, what can we be thankful for? What is it that we can do? Because Paul says, 
by everything in prayer and petition, bring your hearts to God with thanksgiving. He says that is a pathway to a peace that passes understanding. And he said that peace will guard your heart. And you may be somewhat familiar with the book of Philippians, but it is very likely that he is writing this from prison or under house arrest with a guard, a literal guard who is standing outside his door. So as he looks at this guard, he uses a word that would have described that guard, and he says, there is something that is possible to access in your life that will guard your heart just like this guard is guarding me. There's a peace that transcends all understanding, something that literally the world would look at and say, that doesn't make sense. But may we try what Paul has given us here. May we understand that we can walk in a certain way in the world without anxiety, not because of ourselves, but because of who God is. May we spend time in prayer to connecting our hearts to God. May we spend time saying, I'm going to be grateful even when there's stuff that's hard, even when some stuff has been taken away from me. I'm going to choose to be grateful because there's a peace that passes understanding that's on the other side of that work. You might have seen on, on Facebook somewhere, Instagram, that do not fear is the number one command in all of Scripture. Some people say it happens 365 times, so every single day you could read a passage about not fearing. And oftentimes when we hear that, perhaps from a pastor like me, you'll hear it as like, do not fear is God, you know, shaking a finger at people and saying, you know, do not fear, do not fear, and just like get rid of all that anxiety. But what's interesting is that in these passages that say, do not fear, there's this explanation that comes with it. Just a few examples, and you can go look up more of these on your own. But in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, it says this, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. 1 Chronicles 28, 20, David says to Solomon, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all of the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Second Chronicles twenty fifteen. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and if you're doing a bunch of readings from the Old Testament, you have to bring in a Jehoshaphat passage. And all those who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Isaiah 41, 
So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with all my, with my righteous right hand. And then into the New Testament, we see these words of hope to Mary in the Gospel of Luke. Mary receives this news from an angel. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. So in these passages that say, do not fear, it isn't a finger wagging at you from the sky that just says, do not fear, do not fear. It always has this because, because God is with you. God has not left you because you have been, you've been found in favor with God. God is with you in this moment. I was reading an article about how Christians should be prepared for this moment because Christians during epidemics, during pandemics throughout history have done a great job of responding for 2,000 years. In fact, there was a, a plague that was going through Rome in the third century. And historians actually say that that plague in and of itself almost took down the entirety of Rome. It, it was a, a cousin of the Ebola virus, actually. It killed large numbers of people. But what was fascinating is on one hand, it almost killed Rome. But historians say that without a doubt, that during the third century as this was happening, it also created a huge boom in Christian converts. Because as everyone else who was wealthy was running out to the cities and their homes that were far away, where they could be away from the people who were sick, Christians were going in to minister. And a bishop said this about the way the Christians were acting during this time. He said that heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need. Now, I know that that's not what we're called to do in this moment. In fact, we're called to do the opposite. We're called to be careful and to stay away, and I think that's the right course of action. But as we are being careful, may we not do it in fear. And may we reach out to those who need hope right now. Perhaps you know a doctor who needs a word of encouragement. Perhaps you know a teacher who's exhausted from having to switch the entire schedule that he had prepared to go online. Maybe you have a neighbor who's vulnerable right now. May we not be separating from each other in fear. May we recognize that that is what we need to do. But we are going to choose to act in love. Because Christians have done a good job of doing this for 2,000 years. May we pick up where they have left off. And do the things that God is calling us to in this moment. As I reflect on the different ways that Christians have been described in these moments throughout history, people just look at them and say, how is it possible that while everyone else is running away, these people are going closer? And the reason is because they have a peace that passes understanding. A peace that transcends all understanding things that we don't even fully understand sometimes, but because of who God is, we can face this stuff with hope. So may we this week 
by prayer and petition, bring our hearts before God. May we find space and time to be thankful and grateful that, yes, our lives aren't perfect, and some of you are facing very difficult things right now. May you find the moments of grace that God has provided you with. For then, the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts. We're going to sing another song now as we remind ourselves of who our God is. And as we are singing this song, I'd love for you to grab your items for communion because after this song, we will take communion together. I hope that wherever you are, that you take this communion recognizing that we have deep, unbelievable hope, not because of ourselves, but because of who our God is. So do not be afraid, not because your circumstances are perfect, but because of who our God is. You have found favor with God.